Blog Talk Radio. Are you ready to awaken to the truth of your soul? Welcome to today's episode of I Dig Your Soul Podcast with your host, Nadia Khalil. Today's show, today is Monday morning. It is December 14th. We're almost to the middle of the month here. It's almost Christmas. Yesterday, I did celebrate Christmas, actually, Christmas early. But in COVID times, you know, people want to see each other. They have to quarantine and they have to do a lot of things right now. And we did that so we can make sure that we celebrated just with this is just to be with your own child like with my own daughter and we did it and it was great so it was great because we did it you know it's like the energy of all this stuff going around and I was thinking about that because after we were said and done yesterday I thought about just energy just energy because we talk about prayer like it's a ask machine. We're always asking, can I have this? Can I have that? Why don't I have this? Why does everybody have that? And then we wonder why our prayer, we don't see the answer. And then we feel like we're defeated or we're the only ones that God didn't answer. And so we start to mentally ego starts to take us away step by step from the energy and the power of your own prayers. But what I want to do today, because praying is like a shifter, okay? It, It shifts your mind, it shifts your world, it shifts your energy into a place of hope. If you would exchange the word prayer with hope, with dreams, with passion, with all the best of life that you can find. Because when we ask God for something, we don't ask him for something bad or that we don't want or that will hurt us. We always ask for good stuff. But where we get tripped up is the things we're asking for and why. So let's say you asked about something from a point of insecurity. I want this person. I want this or that. I want money. I want a house. I want a car that is cool. And we start asking for those kinds of things. And then we say, but I prayed for it. Then we came into this world of visualization always works and always has worked from the past till now of putting something in your mind and creating it. But we weren't doing it from passion. We were doing it from the same thing we do from prayers. If I think this, then I'll get what I want. 
So always wanting to get what you want is why a lot of prayers aren't really a prayer. It's almost the counterintuitive. Well, I pray to get what I want. Well, why, what else would I pray about? And there's a song by the Rolling Stones, you can't always get what you want, but you'll find sometimes you get what you need. If you have not heard that song, find it. It's been around for a super long time and listen to it. It's one of my favorite songs of all time because it lays down the law that's been going on since I was a kid when they probably recorded that song. But there's something to that because prayers are not timed. They're not timed. We time them because ego slaps expectation on our prayers. And then, boom, it's gone. It's not a prayer anymore. You're just asking for stuff. So throughout my life, I, for whatever reason, thought it was just okay to talk to God even before I was taught who God was. I knew there was someone bigger. I heard people vaguely talk about a God or a God or going to church. But there was something inside of me that knew there was more to this world, to this life, to who we are than who we are here. And I remember my first prayer. I didn't think of it as a prayer then because I always just talked to God. And when you talk to God, your brain says, oh, I can't, that's, that's actually not true. Like while you're trying to sell your story, whatever your story is, and you're trying to sell it because you want whatever it is you think you want. And I remembered, and, and, you know, when I grew up, my parents moved to the suburbs from the city of Chicago. So I went from being scared I was going to get beat up on my way home from school to moving to the suburbs and being one of the toughest kids there. To them, we were like, oh, they're from this city. And within the first year, almost everyone who is now my friend in life we could not play with. Their parents did not allow them to play with us because we weren't very nice. It's not that we weren't nice. No, we were nice. <laughs> we were wild. We used to ring people's doorbells and watch them, you know, go hide behind the bush and watch them come out to see who rang the doorbell, and that was a thrill. I used to do little dumb things that maybe I never hurt people or anything like that. I just, you know, we were just a product of what we saw and lived with and were in fear of. And then we get to the suburbs and it's like la-la land until you become acclimated. But over time, I think, gosh, we moved when I was five. So probably by the time I was six or seven, 
I was in a field, and there were a lot of prairies around us at the time. The area was not built out yet. And everyone said, why are you moving so far? And all of us have heard those stories as areas grew. But I wanted a bike. Everybody had a bike except for us. And my parents were still in that cusp where they were learning English. And, you know, I had just learned English myself. And it's funny because I thought in English before I could talk in English, but I would just talk to God. As though it was just completely normal. I didn't say, well, I'm going to talk to God now or, oh, I better pray because no one ever taught me about prayer yet. So then I'm in this little field and I'm like, you know, I want a bike. Like, why won't my parents buy us a bike, buy me a bike? And for anyone who's been listening to this show for a while, you know this story. The minute I asked for the bike, I realized that everybody wants something. It may not be a bike, but they want something to steer them towards or to or through in their life. Now, I didn't think of it that sophisticatedly, but that's what I was saying to myself. If I want something, so does everyone else. So I asked God to give everyone what they wanted because I'm a kid. But that feeling, forget the bike for a minute, of thinking if I wanted something, that everybody wants something, that feeling of connecting to people in that way, wanting them in that way to have what I thought I wanted, and not separating myself from them is still with me today. It's still here. I didn't know at that time that was a prayer. But as life went on, I found that the most truest moments in my life because I did get used to talking to God because I knew that when I was there I felt safe I really felt seen and I did feel heard believe it or not otherwise I I don't think I would have kept going back but I naturally went there So all that time, I was exchanging energy with God. Okay, what do you think about this? Or sometimes I would have thoughts, and I'd realize, wow, I was jealous of whatever, whoever. And I'd say, wow, God, I'm I'm, I'm jealous. This is what I look like when I'm jealous. Ew, ugly feeling. I hate the way this feels. Oh, I don't want to be jealous of that or her or him. I'm good. I don't need them if I need to do this for them or because of them. But what I realized was 
that my energy exchanges with God were pure. And because I was so used to feeling that, when I exchanged energy with any energy that was less than that, I saw it, even when it was me that had it. Even when I would be so mad at someone because they did do something that wasn't kind to me, and I'd be upset, but then I would say, I don't need to create more chaos by interacting. I'll come back on on an angle of, hey, do you want to fix this? Or I try to give them an example that I might think might fix it. But if they keep on fighting, keep on fighting, keep on fighting, it is exhausting because what I didn't know then, but because I kept exchanging energy with God and say, well, God, you know what? This is going on. And I really don't like it. It makes me upset. It makes me want to fight. Now I know what it feels like when people want to fight, but I I would never, ever want to actually ever hurt anyone, and the result of a fight would be to do that, physical or emotional. We want to attack. We want to make sure they know how hurt we are. But I actually didn't want that. And I realized because the interactions come from a place of purity that all I really wanted was to be left alone. I didn't want them and their stuff would be what I thought about or created a whole world of stuff over. I just didn't want it. Took me a long time to realize that because for a longer time in my life, I kept trying to show them my point of view so that they would not be mad. But then I found out some people want to be mad. They're not done being mad yet in life. They haven't gotten to that place that says, hey, you don't have to do it this way. But now that a lot of my life has gone by, because I'm what? China, I, I miss represented myself the other day and I said oh my god I'm going to be 60 in 2021 and then I thought no no wait wait I'm I'm only going to be 59 and someone actually had to tell me that and they're like Ned you're not going to be 60 and I don't even know what 59 is supposed to be but this is it this is where I'm at so I have seen a lot come and go in my life and You know, just little glimpses, like while I'm doing the dishes or while I'm driving somewhere where I'm I'm just quiet because no one wants to be around someone who's doing the dishes because then they got to clean the rest of the kitchen. So people tend to disappear when you do dishes or when you're driving alone, you kind of have time to think. And those are the two most frequent times I hear God. It's weird when I'm doing the dishes or driving alone, but it's also two times that I'm actually alone. But what happens in those times is I get these glimpses, these really great glimpses of how the things once I drilled down to what I really loved in life, not that I wanted because it was going to make me look good 
or seem good or seem better or seem bigger than I am. But the stuff that I really loved, like, wow, God, why doesn't everybody live here? I said that to God when I was 21 years old. Actually, I was 22 because I moved here when I was 23. So I was 22 years old. And I was standing by the ocean on a vacation in California. And I had never seen the ocean in the States. I just never did. And I was mesmerized. And I stood there and I looked at it and I loved how small it made me feel because it made me feel like there's this big world that we can dive into and enjoy. If we could just be as big as the ocean. And so I said, I said, I was like, God, if I was standing here and they sent me all my stuff, I wouldn't even go back to Chicago. And I thought, why doesn't everybody in the world live here? And then I go, well, I could come because I'm only one person. I'll fit. I was a junior in college at the time. I should have graduated by then, but I took a year off to work and buy my car and and get what I needed so I can go to school and can do those things. And I was planning to go back to school that fall. And I still figured I could come. And I didn't know that was a prayer. That was just my purest, truest thought. 33 years later, 33 years later, I am living a mile away from where I said that. From where I said that. And then I, it took me, after I moved here, a while So I was driving one day, and I remembered that spot and what happened. And I go, wow, God, you're not kidding. Might not be on my time, but wow. Thank you. And every time I get that pull, because I lived in the other area I was living in, not near the water, for 33 years kids there, I had houses there, I know everybody there, I know the stores, I know the bank, I know my doctors, everybody's there, but it's a good 40 minutes away from where I live now, and in California, that's 40 minutes with no traffic, so you could imagine how discouraging in non-COVID times it is to go that far, that far, in quotes, but I started to see other thoughts and conversations I had with God and how they came to life. 
and the things we have the most pure intentions towards, things I felt with my kids, things I I felt with my situation about money at the times, different times, and the things I felt about helping people and the things only the pure survive. And in your lifetime, it will happen at some point. And you may have long forgotten that conversation or that prayer. But it's like, I want to say, you know, Christ's angels and and God's angels all start working on your greater good. And that's a, a catchy spiritual term, greater good. But your greater prayers, your most pure prayers. So if there's ever anything you asked for, on the other hand, that you didn't get, that you may have felt like, oh, wow, well, I wanted that and I never got that. And, you know, we could easily focus because I'm sure all of us have a long list of stuff that didn't come our way that we wanted. And we can get depressed about it and sad about it and feel singled out and say, how alone we are and how God doesn't pay attention to us, but he pays attention to everybody else. And we could play that game because it is a game and there is no game based on truth. But look back in your life. There's stuff that you know deep inside was was really, really down. It was drilled down to and cleaned and shifted and filtered in your purest of intent. And that's where you find yourself today. That's where you find yourself today. When we can admit that, like, hey, you know what, I really did like that person, but hmm, I don't know if I would have known what to do with them at that time. I put them way too high up on a pedestal for me to have been able to be myself. Or I wanted that job and look, that company went out of business. Wow, thank you. Because the minute you can go back and start to identify the times when you really meant something and when you wanted things for reasons less than that level of purity. You just wanted them for reasons that weren't in your best interest. Garth Brooks did a song called I Thank God for Unanswered Prayers. So when you go back into that world and you start to look at your history and you're way more honest about what your history meant to you, you will find that your your truest thoughts, your most pure thoughts are the ones that shifted the energy in your life. Looking at prayers as shifting energy rather than being an answer machine. If you look at prayers as building a series of 
experiences so that you can be ready for what you want. By the time you get it, you'll be like, well, I worked for that. That wasn't from God. But when you thought it, you exchanged energy with the purest energy you have, and that is an energy exchange with God. Think about it. If you go to someone you know lies, you know they lie, and you think that somehow they're going to help you, and you've seen them destroy person after person before you, you are going to be no different. If you go to a person you know will fight for what's true, and they may always look like they're losing, like they're always fighting so hard just to put the truth on the table. But if you go to them, you will learn truth. And you'll learn why truth is so important because a lot of times it does have to be fought for. At the end of the day, the truth will rise on top only because of the level of energy it has. It can rise. And you learn that. That's why I always say, pay attention to who you surround yourself with. Who do you choose to exchange energy with in your life? Because these things, even that prayer, I mean... Did I think of it as a prayer then? Nope. Just talking. But I was always talking. And when you talk to God, you get used to filtering down, whittling down to, oh, wait a minute, I see why I wanted that. Oh, wait a minute, I see why I did that. Huh. Gosh, that's where my mind was. Wow, I, I I wanted to show off with that one. I wanted to get that person. When we start thinking about what we have to say and we try to manufacture what we're going to present to people or to God as though he couldn't see us manufacturing what we were just going to say to him, you get, you got to know by now that that's a clue. You need to go back to that fork in the road and repave it with love. All love is is pure energy. Truth, love, and purity are the same thing. They're just themed differently. Love is is gentle and kind and strong. And truth doesn't have time to worry about what it is. It's just trying to make its way to the top all the time. And purity, our innocence, that we keep trying to go back to, we can. Sometimes we think, well, that's when I was a kid. You still are a kid. Your body got older, but your brain, how much did that, that really change? All the experiences that took us away from our innocence, we have to say, hey, that, that didn't work. Why? Why did that take me farther away from myself? Because 
It wasn't pure. Prayers shift energy. So much so that when the energy is less than that pure energy, you're not biting anymore. You're not going, ah, I think that's what I'll do. You're like, oh, wait a minute, red flag. Maybe that's not my deal. And your bigger question is, why did I think that would work? Why did I feel that sense of desperation for it to be true? The level and number of prayers that I I can talk for days, but a lot of them reveal so much about my life that I don't know if I'm ready to do that yet. But when we exchange energy with God, we can see what isn't God. You guys, my time is up. I love you guys. I will see you tomorrow. Bye-bye. You have been listening to today's Daily Dose of the I Dig Your Soul podcast. To learn more, visit www.nadiakhalil.com.